Miriam Maima is an executive coach and facilitator. She is the co-founder of the Two Million Leaders Project. She's working to inspire people to aim for joy and success simultaneously. Welcome, Miriam. Thank you. Thanks super, for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you on. Tell us a little about your personal lives, more about your work, why you do what you do. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So I was 13 years old when adults that did not know each other started to tell me that I should be a business psychologist. And mm -hmm. so imagine a little, a little person who already at that age, I loved both business and psychology so much. So I feel like every business is an experiment to see what's the most we can do based on our core competencies and our current market conditions. And I am infinitely fascinated with how to bring people together to maximize or, or optimize for success. And I learned very early in life that that is easier said than done. People, we, we, we are humans. We're complex. We love to get in our own way, uh, mostly unconsciously. And it, and and then that is true also interpersonally. And so I I have studied both in detail, and mostly I feel like I'm a student of myself and those that I love. Um, and and then obviously I've had the the honor of working with many extraordinary leaders. So um, yeah, over the course of my career as an executive coach, I've worked with many companies when they're first getting started and 12 of those through their journey of exceeding a billion dollar valuation. So obviously that there's, there's a lot of ups and downs and expansion and contraction that happens along the way. I work a lot um, in the tech field, but also across industries, financial services, healthcare, beauty, um, and ultimately, I feel like what we're all up to is trying to figure out, like you you said in my intro, how can we how can we go to work and and be be impactful and go home and have a good life? And so my goal is as much as possible to simplify that into actionable skills so that we we can all access greater levels of joy. I appreciate that. How do you think that you were you were? showing up in the world at 13 that grown ups who didn't know you were like, you know what you should do? You should be a business psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have to thank my dad for that because um, my parents split when, when I would, I think I was probably 11 when they split and then divorced 12. And so when I was with dad, it was dad's week. I was with dad, wherever dad was. And dad happened to be interested in things like community meetings and, and he would volunteer for committees and was involved in like generating new ideas. And so I would go to these meetings and I'd mostly sit in the back of the room, which for a teenager, it's, it's a quite torturous to sit in the back of a room. And it's kind of like, wah, 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 kind of like Charlie Brown style. For sure. Um, but uh, some of these meetings were consensus based. So what that means is like everybody had to agree. They had a red, yellow, and green card. Talk, 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 talk. Go for a decision. Now everybody raise a card. If you agree, green. If you don't agree, but you're fine, yellow. One red card, which means I disagree, means like this is not moving forward. And then next time we're going to have to talk about it again. Uh, so already I was wired for efficiency and progress. And so when I would, I could feel a red card when it was coming and it shocked me that no one else could feel it. Hmm. No one else seemed to notice the, the unspoken 
dynamics. So I guess what to most people is invisible is is quite potent for me. I can I can see what's happening for individuals and I can also see what's happening in in a group and I can anticipate how that will play out in not only in decision making, but in essentially over the longitude or trajectory of what it is that they are setting as their mission. So I can anticipate those things quite early. Um, so those are the kinds of things that I would notice. And I would start to you know, tap people on the shoulder and like, why did, why did you, you know, why did you say it this way? Or what, how, how come you didn't take it that way? And so they literally asked me to start facilitating when I was, the, when I was a, little, a teenager, some of these groups. It's so interesting. What's so obvious to you. It's not, you know, you're, you're this, you're this little girl in the back. You're like, yeah, you, you are not going to get her to her him to move from red to yellow or green it's so yeah. obvious right <laughs> it was so obvious to me yeah um and that is oh i think that's one of the gifts that i have one of the strengths that i have it, it makes it that I'm, I'm trying to learn over the course of my life how to do a better job of bringing other people into my world so they also can see it because mm-hmm. I believe that once we have those personal firsthand experiences, it's much easier for us then to act based on that information. But just hearing it, just distilling it through our left brain isn't always the easiest way to actually create lasting change. No doubt. Do you, I, I resist terms and categories, but yeah. I would call that almost being, being an empath, being really yeah. empathetic. Yeah, exactly. And, That's mm-hmm. and so you've been working to figure out. Okay, I have this. Maybe it's just something I've just you know it came. It's part of my wiring or my DNA. How do I yeah. teach people to do more of this? Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. How to do more of it? How to have a better sense of? I call it self awareness and situational awareness. I don't think we can ever aim to have the whole globe be of, of, let's say the whole of the human race be empathic, but I think we can aim to have self-awareness and situational awareness. Mm -hmm. And those are essential for us. I think anyone who wants to identify as a leader, which in my mind is someone who wants to consciously design the impact they have on the world. They want to influence. I love how you speak about how we are all essentially in in sales and we all need to influence others. And so in my mind, that's being a leader, that's maintaining a leadership mindset. And so for anyone who cares about that, who thinks of themselves that way, I think we need to be students of ourselves and start to notice what's happening around us and how, and in the and and develop some pattern recognition of when I do X, it yields Y. When I do Z, it yields A, and and so on. Everybody's different. Yeah. If I am not aware of this, is it like the light just shifts on for some people? Like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that I was doing that, even though I was doing it over and over and over and over again. Absolutely. Yeah. Most of us are completely blind to the impact that we're having on others, which is one of our greatest sources of strength and leverage and power is to actually notice, oh, when I show up this way with these qualities, exhibiting these behaviors, this is how I can influence those around me. I really do believe we are 
basically I I'm with you. I don't like making blanket statements, but if I were to generalize, I would say we are all minimizing the impact we're having on others. Mm -hmm. It's like, so let's start waking up to that and utilizing it. And do you think that that might be because once I become aware of my emotional wake or whatever, the kind of impact I'm having on other people that I'm going to be responsible for, for taking ownership of it. And I'm not interested in that. Oh, yeah. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> I, I I think that with. I, I I think I'm probably more like you than I'm not that I, I am very aware of the impact that I have on others. And sometimes I like, well, you know what? I just don't I, I don't have time to care that much because I need to get this done. And that's usually when it doesn't go very well for me. Yeah, right. When I absolutely, I love that term, emotional wake. I think that's exactly right. So in some moments we don't have maybe the bandwidth to take that level of responsibility Mm -hmm. or the, whether it's the emotional bandwidth or the time or energy, or sometimes what we're focused on matters more to us than the impact that we're having on others. Meaning we need to get something done. And in that moment, that's what we are prioritizing. I feel like that's okay. But if we look over the the length of our days, our weeks, our months, if we're always transactional, if we're always focused on the thing, the project, the task, and we're never noticing the people, then we probably are losing access to one of the things that will generate more success and more joy, which is learning how to interact with others to to have an, an, a successful quote-unquote impact. So that's why I always ask people, what do you want to be known for? And I would ask every listener right now to think about what do they want to be known for? What if someone were to describe them using a few words, what words are, are you hoping they would use? And are you showing up in a way that is congruent with that, that affirms that, that demonstrates those qualities? And if not, that's where our opportunity is. I don't think there's a one size fits all by any means. It's okay to be bold and direct. It's also okay to be timid and and kind. Uh, and I believe we can have access to greater range of all of those things if we start to, like I said, become students of ourselves and of one another. It's really, that's, that's probably a legitimate human superpower that I have yeah. the ability to set an intention of, here is how I want to show, I want to be known for being thoughtful um, committed, whatever, and then look at the delta between how I'm actually, how people are actually thinking and perceiving of me and then what I want, and then I can work to change that. Yes, exactly. So in one of your recent episodes, you were talking about how we show up batters. Great episode, by the way. Thanks. Um, and I absolutely agree that how we show up matters, meaning the way that we choose to present ourselves in the world influences the way people perceive us, mostly unconsciously. Very Most of what's happening for us is unconscious. And so we, if once we realize that, we can start tapping into that intentionally. So we can, we can help essentially choose how, what clothes am I going to wear? What posture am I going to have? How much eye contact am I going to use? So these are just nonverbal ways of communicating that influence how people perceive us. And I would just then start thinking about not only do I, how do I want them to think about me, 
but how do I actually want them to feel? What do I want them to be thinking about? Not just about me, but about life, about business, about money, about whatever it is that matters to me. What what are the seeds that I want to be planting with them as a result of the exchange that I'm having? And essentially, how do I want to be impacting them? That's really, that's, that's the, that's the opportunity is people seek and want to feel important and that they're doing something of value. And I have the ability, you have the ability. We all really as leaders have the ability to help people to get closer to that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And that emotional wake using your, your word from earlier I think, especially for anyone listening who has a team. So whether that's, I guess you could, you could apply that to your family life, for your community, but I happen to work in the context of businesses often. So if thinking about people who run teams, run companies, I believe that we're all going to be doing the best we can. So people show up and they're going to do at least the minimum to feel like they showed up and did their work for the day. But beyond that, we have so much discretionary effort that when I'm engaged in my work, when I feel seen, when I feel appreciated, I can access 80% more effort. It's the quality of my thinking. It's the type of work that I'm doing. It's the number of hours that I'm putting into my work. And as leaders, if we are able to tap into that discretionary effort for the individuals on our team, collectively, we become much more higher performing and we accomplish much more in a much shorter amount of time. And this is the kind of thing that leaders who aim to create high performing cultures need to start paying attention to is their emotional wake is how am I interacting with them to generate the types of mindset that I want them to have, or I need them to sustain throughout this work week. How do I need them feeling about themselves? How do I need them feeling about me in order to really do the best they can? That's a, I think that that's a really compelling, compelling case for this from a business standpoint is you are running a team, a business, whatever it might be, you are the leader in your entity, whatever scale yeah. that that is. If it's That's yourself, right. if it's, you know, a 5,000 person company and it's at your fingertips and well within your control and ability to potentially influence the protect productivity of those other people by a substantial percent, what you've just been talking about. It's right there. It doesn't cost any money. Just you just need to be a little bit more intentional and thoughtful about it. And I guess it shouldn't be so dismissive like that's an easy thing because just knowing that I now have the ability and doing it consistently, those are two different things. Mm -hmm. Yes, but it starts with setting an intention. That's where most people, they haven't even done that. They're like, oh, what do I need people thinking and feeling this week? Oh, pause, think about it, set an intention, and then try something, run an experiment, and then ask people at the end of the week, how do you feel? Or after an interaction, how do you feel? Or maybe bring a few people in your inner circle into your intention, say, here's how I'm intending to show up. Please let me know when I'm acting in congruence with this, or when am I getting in my own way? And so that usually that feedback loop is what we need in order to create both that self-awareness and situational awareness at the same time. That's a really, it's a really interesting thing of, do you find that 
the most, some of the more successful organizations, human beings that you work with are very comfortable and make a point of asking for and getting feedback? Yeah. So they, uh, okay. Well, I would actually, I would say there's to oversimplify two, two buckets and I'm running through them in my mind. I was going to say yes, but I don't think that's true. There's, there's the, the extraordinary leaders that I work with that are, are crave feedback constantly. They need it in order to understand essentially what to do next. They use it as fuel for their decision-making and for their sense of self. They actually need it in order to be able to locate themselves in their team and in their company. They need that feedback. And other people don't. They don't give an F. They don't, I don't know if we swear on the show or not, but they they don't care. They don't want to know what other people feel because they are so, they trust themselves so much that, and they essentially it's what you were saying earlier around, they're so focused on a certain outcome that that's what matters most to them. And they are unwavering in their trust that they will get themselves and the company and the entire team there. And so I would say for those folks, what I work with them on is how do we create a buffer between them and everybody else? Because they can't actually achieve that alone. They need everybody rallied around their cause, their mission, their intention. But they probably with that mindset won't accomplish it very effectively themselves. So we need to essentially create this moat around them emotionally and energetically so that the their executive team probably like that. And then you start to get to different levels of the organization and those folks need a different level of engagement. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you have your iconic business leaders kind of pop into your head. You're like, I wonder like Steve Jobs, how he'd fare here or Elon Musk is probably, I don't have any idea what he's really like, but I can see that he does not care at all what other people think. He does not have any time. He's busy disrupting every industry that he puts his hands on, but there need yeah. to be other people within the organization who are being mindful and paying attention to the things that we're talking about. Yeah. If you want to have the type of company where you're actually accessing that high, that discretionary effort, that high-performing team, the only other way to do it is a culture based on fear of um, which it creates it is usually not sustainable. That's where you see a rocket ship, like a up into the right for a short period of time, very growth oriented company. And then all of a sudden it stagnates and it falls off. So sometimes like, Hey, that's what people are wanting. And that's what they're aiming for. But it, I believe that we will be better off for companies that are more sustained, that are integrate a bit more humanity and that we're not only focused on the bottom line, but we're thinking about the triple bottom line. We're thinking about how do we build a society where people feel like they are acknowledged and rewarded. And I believe that that would be a far better one and that that is hundred percent something that is positive and something to strive for. What kind of popped into my head was people doing it for the wrong reasons. Are there wrong reasons Mm -hmm. to do this? Say, okay, I don't really care what anybody thinks about me, but I can see where having people perceive that I care about them is still a value and there's still a business case for this. I'm sure that very few people who are listening think that way, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I 
I know that is manipulative. I also look at it as training wheels. Um, like, great, try it. Most people will see right through that. Like, mm. they, like they will feel. I would feel it. The lack of authenticity. Sure. I would. I'd see that a mile away. But like you said earlier, I, not everyone's wired like me. I yeah. can see things and feel things that not not everyone else can. So great, go out, try it, do it, and and I don't care if it it feels a bit in inauthentic at first. You need to build the muscle so that when or if you do want to do it authentically, you can. And, and so I would just say, go start, do it and in and, and whichever way you want to or whatever way you can today. Sometimes like we're just not in the mood. And so that's OK, too. Well said. Well, Miriam, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Um, they can find me online. Can you imagine? They can go to. <laughs> LinkedIn, go to LinkedIn, Miriam. There's lots of M's and lots of vowels in my name. It's hard to find, but I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes. Um, you can go to 2mleaders.com and also find me out in the world. I do my absolute best to, to roam the planet and find myself in conversations with people who want to talk about these things more in depth. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show Miriam your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find Miriam on the internet, wherever you normally <laughs> find people on the internet. Certainly, I will link all those in the notes of the show to her point and also go to 2, 2mleaders.com. Is that the number two or two spelled out, Miriam? The number two. 2mleaders.com. And ask Let's yourself- give- Let's give George some applause. I know that you're not going to be able to hear them, but I'm hoping every listener right now who's still listening to the end of the show is giving you a little bit of applause. Creating a podcast is such a labor of love. It creates such, it requires such sustained attention and patience and commitment. And so on behalf of anyone who's ever learned anything from any of your episodes, thank you for doing all that it takes to put this out in the world. Well, you're welcome, Miriam. Thank, thank you. Till next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.